0: Hello and welcome once again to Not Boring Workouts. I'm Allie, your untrained trainer. Before we get started, this workout will be a bit more challenging for you, not for me. If you can find a couple of heavyish things like wine bottles or cans of food, or hey, maybe you even have dumbbells, who knows? Once you have those, put them nearby and start jogging in place. This is your first time joining us. It's about fucking time. No, I'm just kidding. i um, glad you're here. Also great news, we have more than 30 previous workouts you can download anytime you like. You can choose anything from our Flat Earth Flat Abs workout to the Get Worked Up by the History of the Dildo workout. Lucky you. Meanwhile, the only thing you need to know is that you will not have to keep time or count reps during this workout. Just follow along and listen for this ding. <laughs> That ding means it's time for a new exercise, and it is an arm day, so go ahead and pick up those heavy things. Hold one in each hand, extend your arms straight down at your sides, and then lift your hands out in front of you until they are level with the floor. Then lower them back down. Lift and lower. That's it. Well, it's October, friends, which I know is difficult to believe since this year has been such a shit show. But yes, it's October, which usually means I am getting fucking excited to dress up as a pun that no one else understands. Unfortunately, however, thanks to everyone's failure to adopt just super reasonable, simple precautions to slow the spread of a deadly virus... Halloween has been cancelled. Not cancelled the way Gen Z cancels everyone on Twitter, but cancelled nonetheless. Instead, I hear lots of folks are giving Sober October a shot. I can tell you I'm not. It's not a terrible idea, though, considering it might be a binge-drinking November. With that in mind... We thought we'd take a closer look at booze this week. And that led us to today's workout. The drunken tale of the London Gin Craze eases the pain of Arm Day workout. And I can promise you this. No matter how much you drink, you will consider yourself a lightweight by the end of this episode. (laughs) You're going to keep everything the same now, except instead of raising your arms out in front of you, you're raising to the side making a tea and coming back down. So up to a T, back down. It turns out that for the bulk of human history, we did not drink much hard alcohol. Wait, wait, you say the Romans and the Greeks, they were drunk all the time. Everybody was drunk. Everyone's always drunk. Yes, but off beer and wine. Making something like vodka requires the process of distillation, which entails fairly specialized equipment and education to do it properly. Because of this, it's not really until the 1400s that there was much of any distilled alcohol around, and it was only being produced in small amounts, mainly for medicinal uses well into the 1600s. Keep the arm action going, but you're also adding some legs with forward lunge bicep curls. Name says it all, so get started, but basically you're doing front lunges, and each time you lunge, you will also do a bicep curl with those heavy objects in your hands. Start by stepping forward with your left leg, bend the knee, do a bicep curl, press back to standing, repeat on the right. By the mid-1600s in Europe, regional spirits were growing in popularity. The French are making brandy, the Irish and the Scots are making whiskey, the Russians are going for the grain alcohol vodka, and the Dutch are flavoring it with juniper and other botanicals and calling it Genevere? Well, I just looked that up and it's Geneva, so I really... Fucked up that pronunciation. But there you go. I do my research sometimes. Production finally reached a level that supported some exporting of spirits, and London was a popular recipient. Do not stop lunging and curling. London was becoming the first modern, massive city in Europe. And most alcohol consumption was still beer and wine, But French brandy was getting pretty popular and Dutch gin was apparently around to a lesser degree. Uh, We'd also like to note that at this point, the people of London weren't drinking much more or less than the average European. That all started to change in 1688 when Dutch King William of Orange also became King of England. (coughs) Make your way to the floor lying face down. Keep those heavy things in your hands and extend them out to your sides in a T for backflies. All you need to do is keep your arms straight and raise them up off the floor a few inches, drop them back down, raise them back up, yada, yada, yada. The British didn't really like the French. Who does? (laughs) Just kidding. But that didn't stop them from importing quite a lot of their wine and brandy turns out the Dutch hated the French a lot more, and when William took the throne in England, he pretty much banned the import of their wine and their brandy. Because as a reminder, Dutch King William of Orange also became the king of England. Then in 1690, to encourage local production, he broke up the London Guild of Distillers and instituted the, quote, act for the encouraging of the distillation of brandy and spirits from corn, end quote sounds like a great act prohibition was not a great amendment don't stop moving those arms back flies the thing is corn was relatively expensive at the time but there happened to be a lot of other surplus grain around that was way cheaper so instead of a surge in the production of brandy or corn spirits people started making a cheap often impure version of gin Put aside your heavy objects for a moment, but stay where you are. Get yourself into a high plank position and you're doing shoulder taps. Maintaining that nice high plank. Lift your right hand up and tap your left shoulder. Set it back down and then lift your left hand and tap your right shoulder. We will not do this for too long because I love you. During the first few decades of the 1700s, London started filling up. People were moving from villages and farms to the big city with big dreams. But it turned out life was pretty shitty in the city if you weren't rich. Just like now, in most major cities. There weren't a ton of jobs. It was dirty, there were lots of diseases, and housing was pretty overcrowded. And unlike the little villages where everybody knows your name, I'm sorry... Those villages provided a level of accountability and social support, which if I had, maybe I wouldn't make bad choices, like singing that phrase. Life in in the city was much more of a free-for-all for for individuals left to fend for themselves. (coughs) Flip over onto your back. Time to give those arms a short break and hit the abs, because today might be arm day, but every day is ab day. So let's do bicycle crunches. Hands are behind your head, your feet are off the ground, with your knees bent. Now on each crunch, you alternate, touching your opposite elbow and knee crunch it. In 1685, England produced a total of 500,000 gallons of gin. By 1733, production had increased to over 11 million gallons of gin. People like gin! But we're not talking about Hendrix or Bombay Sapphire. In London, there were well over 3,000 unlicensed distillers, and what they were making was a far more rough potent and dangerous drink. I have to tell you there was one time I was living in Egypt and I bought a Long Island iced tea because I was very young and I'd been warned that if you buy alcohol in Egypt you should be very careful because it might be sort of homemade or poisonous. Anyway, I ended up vomiting and shitting the whole night, sometimes at the same time. What I'm trying to tell you is I'm adorable. Keep crunching. Right, so uh, unlicensed distillers. Right, so uh, their gin was twice as strong as today's gin. Both turpentine and sulfuric acid were often added, causing blindness. Now I feel lucky with my shitting and vomiting. This did nothing to hinder its popularity, and it tasted terrible. And there was not a single hipster to dress it up with elderberry Is that a thing? Elder flower? I don't know. Instead, the gin was consumed straight, usually at room temperature. But in winter, it was served hot. Yeah, hot. Just like you in this workout. (coughs) Stay where you are for one more ab set before we go back to burning up those arms. Extend your legs out straight. Put your arms to your sides for leg lifts trick with this one is that once you start, don't let your feet touch the ground again. Keep your legs straight, raise them up a bit past 45 degrees, lower them back down till they almost touch the ground, lift them up again, don't stop till you hear that ding, ding, ding. So we've got a very large, very poor population with very little to do and very little to distract them. Then we've got an incredibly potent, highly addictive, surprisingly cheap drug poison situation that is literally flooding the city of London the results were catastrophic. And that's saying something in 2020. In a matter of 10 years, the average consumption doubled, and it was not limited to adults. Children as young as five or six would often be fed gin, largely to knock them out so their mothers could go get drunk as well. (laughs) Hashtag parenting. By the 1740s, there were over 7,000 establishments offering cheap-ass gin like this one, described in a pamphlet entitled Distilled Liquors, the Bane of the Nation. In one place, not far from East Smithfield, a trader has a large empty room where, as his wretched guests get intoxicated, they are laid together in heaps, men, women, and children, until they recover their senses. When they proceed to drink on, or having spent all they had, go out to find the means to return to the same dreadful pursuit. I assume that's what they sounded like. Don't stop lifting those legs! In what is widely seen as the darkest story from the time, in 1734, a Londoner named Judith Dufour was convicted of and executed for the crime of either abandoning or strangling her own two-year-old daughter in order to sell her clothing for gin money. There's a lot to unpack there. First of all, I feel like you could sell the clothes without killing the kid, am I wrong? Speaking of terrible things, turn back over for push-ups. If you want, you can modify by dropping to your knees. Arms should be a bit wider than shoulder width. Keep your core engaged and start going. This was a problem started by the government, and hey, kudos, the government made attempts to fix things. They tried a tax increase on the cost of gin, but that was pretty much ignored and repealed four years later. In 1736, they tried the Gin Act to regulate distillers. They required an 8,000-pound license to produce gin, what? And paid informants to rat out illegal distillers. This resulted in the sale of two licenses and everybody else going into speakeasy mode. I hope they had fun parties, at least, even though their gin was fucking shitty. It's so weird that people still want to drink it, even when it's so shitty. After one night of vomiting and shitting myself, I definitely didn't want to drink that shit ever again. By the 1740s, gin consumption was at its peak, with over 18 million gallons consumed in 1743. Make your way back to your feet and pick up those heavy objects for some tricep work with kickbacks. Stand with your feet hips distance apart and then bend at the waist till you're at about 45 degrees, keeping your back flat. Now pin your elbows against your sides and then straighten your arms back behind you. It's kind of like you're doing an upside down bicep curl, maybe. Anyway, stay like this, bend and straighten your arms and feel those triceps working. The government's attempted restrictions also led to perhaps the very first gin vending machine. Which I think sounds awesome, almost as awesome as its name, the Puss and Mew. What? Created by Captain Dudley Bradstreet, the Puss and Mew was a, a large metal statue of a cat built into the wall of a building. Now we know where the Puss came from. That and all the pussy people go when they went there. Oh! There was a metal spout and slots in the cat's mouth that people would slide coins through. So all you had to do was walk up to the cat with a copper bowl, feed it a coin, and a guy behind the wall would pour a serving of gin out the spot. You know, environmentally friendly, people brought their own cups. I think we should bring that back. By keeping the person serving the gin anonymous, there was nobody for the public to rat out and the law of the time stated that the government couldn't bust into a building without already knowing who it was they wanted to arrest inside. That's pretty clever. I see what they did there. It's time for your last exercise. So give it your fucking all. It's another combo squat shoulder press. It is what it sounds like. So get started. Keep those heavy things in your hands. And put your hands next to your shoulders. Now you want to do a standard squat, but as you go down, push your hands up over your head. And as you stand back up, lower them back down to your shoulders. Squat plus shoulder press. Get it. The government finally made some headway with the passage of the Gin Act of 1751, which instituted a slew of new restrictions, taxes, and punishments. Still in that year alone, 9,000 children died from the effects of drinking gin. Which is batshit. Although perhaps not as batshit as the number of people who have died from coronavirus. Yay! The Gin Act, coupled with increased social intolerance to public drunkenness, and the beginning of the Industrial Age, all seem to have coalesced to bring the gin craze to an end. While it was definitely not an end to drinking, as we know very well, the focus shifted largely to beer, which was considered a healthy alternative. I like that. Beer the healthy alternative, you guys. This was also about the time that tea and coffee started becoming popular, so people had a whole new drug to embrace that was perfect for the increased pace of city life. Caffeine. That's it. you finished another workout. Go ahead and do a little stretching while I do my impersonation of Lindsey Graham begging for money. Actually, my Lindsey Graham impersonation is pretty rough because I try not to ever watch him do anything. But if you're enjoying Not Boring Workouts, it would be amazing if you left us a rating or a review. You could also help us continue to spread our message of fitness and fun by tossing us a tip on Venmo at Not Boring Workouts or joining us at patreon.com slash workouts. Finally, we would love your feedback or suggested topics, so please uh, tweet at us at nbwpod. Thanks, and I don't really drink, but I might go get high. See ya!